Hey, what's happening, guys? Um, just sitting down to record a, a solo bonus episode of Eastman's Elevated. Uh, so this week, the theme of the podcast, um, I always like it to be pertinent to what us backcountry hunters are up to, and uh, right now we're just coming into spring bear season, and uh, I, I absolutely love spring bear season. Uh, I, I fell in love with it probably 10 years ago, maybe even longer, but I, I've been chasing these bears every spring since. Um, I love chasing them with my bow out here in Montana at Spot and Stock, but I'm going to try to do a good job of explaining hunt, hunting bears from my experience in, in different places and different habitats and break down locating them and, and making stocks and making plays. And if, if you're not a bear hunter or you don't have any interest in hunting spring bears, um, it's still a great podcast. Well, I haven't recorded it yet. I'm hoping it's a great podcast, but there's there's just so much information that, that applies to, to different hunting across the West as far as um, vantage points and locating more game animals. There, there's just there's less predators than there are prey animals. And so like when you're hunting bears, a predator, um, you know, you have to be really good at locating them and, and finding them. And it, it takes a lot of effort to figure out what they're doing and, and, and where they like. And, and you can transpose a lot of that information into your deer hunting, into your elk hunting, you know, hunting any animal across the West. So if you're not a bear hunter or not bear hunting this year, it's still going to be a good podcast. I hope. No guarantees. <laughs> you never know when it's a solo one where I'm going to go with what tangent, but uh, it ought to be fun. Uh, sponsor for today's show is Eastman's Hunting Journals. Um, just a great company. Uh, they've they've been able to give me the opportunity to to write and to film and to do this podcast, and and they always support me 100. Uh, percent The guys are always checking in to see how they can help me more with the podcast or anything they can do, and. Um, you know, Ike and Guy sure stand behind it and uh, give me their full support. And um, just a, a great group of guys and and uh, put out really good products. Um, you know, we're just trying to, to put out the content to make everybody better Western hunters. And so uh, we work really hard at the magazines. Uh, Todd Helms is is the, the editor there, and he's working really hard on the Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal and the Eastman's Hunting Journal. Uh, provide good content there and I just I love writing for those magazines it's like this this different platform where I get to express myself and so um, the podcast is really fun and I really enjoy that but I also enjoy writing where you get to sit and think on on every word or every sentence or you get to kind of frame things and 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 return back to it and it's just like that precision where you can really put your thoughts down on paper and so I really enjoy writing and expressing myself in there and and uh I'm always trying to provide um, next next level um, bow hunting tactics or ne- next level Western hunting tactics to, to make you better. So um, check out the magazines, the Beyond the Grid, the Internet TV show. I haven't made my debut on there yet. We'll we'll see. I've got a couple hunts filmed and see if they make the cut. But um, Dan Picard and Guy Eastman produce it. They just do a great job. Um, putting it out there and and new episodes and um, there's some some great ones you can find it on the YouTube channel Beyond the Grid um, just a a great platform there and then um, you know we've got our our show on the Outdoor Channel I've been lucky enough to have a, a few shows on there filmed and um, I think I got a couple more coming out and really looking forward to this season capturing some really good footage um, I've got a a couple good guys that I think can film for me and so I've got that lined up and just need some decent tags in my pocket and I think we can go capture some really good hunts 
So um, really looking forward to doing more of that. But just uh, Eastman's Hunting Journal, thanks a bunch to those guys and all their support. And uh, with that, let's get right into it. So, oh man, if I'm a, if I'm a little bit slow or can't, uh, I'm hoping I can do a podcast here. I got a full cup of coffee, uh, fired up to record one. I just had a huge go last night. I was out till the middle of the night chasing a bear, trying to climb up out of the hole that I climbed into. But um, man, what a thrilling encounter. So I guess I'll start at the beginning, but um, yeah, I am a little exhausted. It seems like after I do a big go like that, like if I do a marathon or big 20-mile run, like I'm almost a little brain dead the next day. And so um, hopefully the the words come to me and I'm able to to work through this podcast. I I got a good cliff notes written down of what I want to cover and I We'll, we'll get it taken care of. So, um, yesterday, okay, so I, uh, finally gonna get started bear hunting here. Um, I've been having a lot of fun, fun shed hunting, and then we're just busy with family life. We got the girls are in track and driver's ed and, and softball, and so it's gonna be a really busy spring, and then I've, I've just got so many construction projects going right now. I'm just trying to finish up some of my wintertime projects, and I gotta, a good house started and got the foundation in on that. And so we've just been really busy. And so, um, just have to create more time or, you know, uh, be creative with my time going evenings. And then I get the weekends and, and, uh, just try to free up some days here or there to hunt bears. Cause I just love being out chasing those things. So I, I went out yesterday, I had a free day and, uh, got out there and gosh, it took me you know, dang near half a day or half the morning to get all my stuff set up and together. And I probably should have done it last week during a weeknight or whatever. But anyways, I had to get all my stuff together in this, this spot I hunt. It's this early spot and I just can't help going there. I am yet to kill a bear there. It's one of the toughest spots to kill a bear, but I've had a bunch of close encounters and there's a bunch of bears in there. You know, it's just a haul in there. You got to hike way back into this backcountry spot and then you glass across this canyon. And if you, if you go in on the other side on that canyon wall, you can't see it. So, um, I go in, I grab my vantage point and, um, you know, I got to hike in there a few miles to get in there, but I get in there, grab my vantage point and, uh, I'm not sitting there half an hour and I spot a chocolate bear. First, I thought it was kind of a smaller bear, and I look him over, and I couldn't really see him with the heat waves, and so he disappears, and I decide, well, I'll get a little closer to him and can can judge him up a little bit better, and I can still see a lot of these features here, so, you know, I'm, I'm really not hurting anything, you know, I'm, I'm helping the cause, if anything, and so I... So I go close the distance, and I get straight across from him, like six, eight hundred yards, and, and then I get another peek at him, and I think I first spotted him at about... I don't know, maybe two o'clock or so, and then um, I caught him again at three thirty, and and I caught him out, and he fed, and I got to to judge him up a little bit better, and uh, he he looked like a decent bear. He was pretty wide in the front and the back, and looked like he had a decent head on him, and he wasn't a super giant, but he was like a good mature boar, like um, good one to to get narrow in, anyways. You know, for me, uh, you know, and we'll talk about field judging these, and I'll get into this bear podcast. I just wanted to tell you guys this this story that happened, this encounter that I had last night, because it was just so thrilling. So anyways, I, I sit up there and see him at 3.30. He disappears again in the timber, and so I'm just waiting. You know, he's he's got a 
he's got to make a mistake. You know, for me to get to him, here's what I have to do. I have got to run down a hillside and I've got to lose at least 1500 feet of elevation. You know, I say 1500 feet. Um, I got to look on the map. I was going to look before I started the podcast again. It may be closer to 2000 where I got to go, or it could even be more. It is a giant hillside and it's just super steep rock slide, sagebrush and, and then uh, willow brush and parts of it and in the draws and just a nightmare uh, to, to work through. But the other side is kind of this secluded north side with these little openings and avalanche shoots, and they really like it. Um, we'll get into to early season tactics, which this is an early season spot. But in, in, in the early season, I like to look for them coming outside their dens and staying close to their dens. And, and this is one of those spots where they den in these rocks. There's not much human pressure, nothing to really spook them, and it's 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 down low in one of the first place that bur- first places that burns off. And so, anyways, spot that chocolate. See him again at three thirty. Puts away, and so just waiting for him to make a mistake. And in the meantime, I spot a jet black. Looks like a really good sized bear, but. He's so many miles down the canyon, probably two miles down the canyon. For me to get to him, I don't even think it's feasible that day because, like I say, I've got to go down this whole hillside, this this 1,500 feet or 2,000 feet, and then there's a river at the bottom. I've got to pack my raft all the way down there, and that's what kills me is the weight that you got to take with your raft, spotting scope, tripod, and I, I guess I could ditch my spotting scope and and tripod and some gear up on the hillside but I just hate ditching my gear I know like you know I got to come up and find it you know back up in at nighttime and if anybody was to stumble across it I'm sure they wouldn't steal but you know it's like this high quality scope sitting there in the brush and so I don't really want to leave my stuff so I just take it all with me I weighed it um, it's pretty heavy. It's, it's like over 30 pounds. So it's like packing a, a camp for me, a three day or a five day camp. So anyways, I got my raft, but you got to run all the way down this hillside, blow up the raft, cross it, and then run up the other side and make your play. So it's a tough spot to kill them, but there's a lot of bears in there. And so I just can't help but go in there and it's a early spot. So anyways, that chocolate comes back out, uh, maybe I think it's five thirty or so. And now he's out and he's just feeding and he's, it looks like he's going to hang right in these meadows and these spots. And so I go all in, it's, um, like a, a bear I'd be happy to shoot. And so, um, I, I dive off in him, dive off for him down this, this hillside. And so you're, you're racing all the way down. I can see him the whole way down this hillside. I can look over and just see him feeding right there. And it's just like, man, oh man, the wind's perfect. It's coming down the Canyon. So that's where I'm going to approach from is down the Canyon. And the shade line is just rising up the other side of the Canyon. So as that shade line gets above them, those thermals are going to drop. Wind's going to keep coming down the Canyon. It's also going to come downhill. So, um, I, I blow up my raft and it's um it's a pretty gnarly river. It's not like uh just a lake trying to float across it. Like it's got good current and good rocks and it's deep and um you know there if if you go down too far or if you don't hit your spot, you'll hit some white water and usually I cross down lower where I see these bears. This time I'm up higher and so I went down a different chute as I came down. So when I get down, now it's more uh, definitely more white watery. I mean, it's not like I'm going through a class five white water or anything, but, um, it's definitely a little technical and I've got this little pool raft that I pack with me. It's called a club 200 is the name of it. 
And it's just this little tiny raft with a, uh, you know, one main chamber around the outside, you know, oars that kind of lock together. Like you'd hardly trust your kids in a pool with it, you know, keeping them afloat. And then it's got, so you blow it up, it'll support 210 pounds. So me with all my gear. And it actually rose pretty good, but so I you got to watch waves so it doesn't come over the bow or come over the boat because it'll soak you, you know. And plus, you got all your stuff with you. You're taking across your bow and your spotting scope and your binos, rangefinder, camera, backpack. I mean, if you have an accident, like, oh my gosh! I mean, not to mention your your life's in danger. And I'm sure I can swim anywhere I need to swim and get anything I need to get. But and then to lose your pack and your bow to the bottom of the river, so there's just this this added consequence to your actions and what you're doing. And I mean, the first time I crossed this thing, this isn't the first time I've, I've crossed, I've probably crossed this. I've been hunting this spot for years and I haven't killed one there, but I've been so close. And, and I used to cross with my waders God, what did I, oh, in an inner tube that I blew up and then I'd kick my way across and I about died trying to kick my way across. You just get exhausted trying to make your way across this thing, trying to kick across the current. And, uh, yeah, I do waders, my rain jacket and an inner tube is how I first started crossing. And that was dangerous. So I finally got the club 200. That's a step up. Most of my buddies know this spot. Um, Dan's crossed this spot a couple times. He's been close. I think he's maybe even missed a bear over there. In fact, I know he has. And then um, my buddy Phil has crossed over there. My my buddy Coulter's made a cross after a blonde bear a couple years ago. So my buddies know this spot well. And that's what works good is when you got a buddy to sit up on that hillside and glass and give you hand signals as you cross. But I didn't have it. I was solo yesterday. So that's why I had to wait for that bear to be in a good position. But... So I hop in the raft and I'm going to cross and my one, my one oar isn't catching. And I've got like this small window to get across this stream. Otherwise there are some rapids down below me that I've got to cross up above. A, and it's my only window to kind of get through it without traveling a half a mile or a mile trying to carry my boat. And so I can get across or I know I can, but I'm in there and all of a sudden my, my oar, it won't grab it. it every time I go to make a pull on my right oar, it spins and then goes with the water. And so I can't get a grip and I can't figure out what's going on. And I keep trying to get a grip. And then I look down and my little yellow paddle is unscrewing from my oar and I'm out in the middle of the river going down. And so I pull my oar up and I screw it back in and I'm just lucky I didn't lose my paddle and then I've got to go through these rapids with my pack and my bow and this little club 200 with one oar trying to get seated again right in the in the in the raft and trying to paddle with one oar so it could have been a disaster I made it back to shore packed my raft back up tightened everything down and and then I crossed and got across no problems and and uh, get over there and tie up the raft and throw my stuff on and start climbing that hill and instantly I'm just through all this willow brush and trying to fight my way through it and up these rock cliffs and I get up above the cliffs and I get to the meadows and I start hunting my way over and I'm hunting slow wind right in my face it's just perfect and I'm getting to the spot where I should see that bear and I just can't find him and so I cross another goalie to the next ridge and now you know I'm right on top of me should be right there and so I just sit there and wait with a good win and I also I don't know if I told you guys, I spotted the the big jet black. He was a couple miles down. I don't think I could have made it to him with the river and the cliffs and everything. And then I did spot another jet black above this chocolate up top. And he looked like a decent bear. Not a super megla, but he had a nice big round pumpkin head on him. I could tell he was a boar. 
And uh, so I have also got an opportunity to catch this bear in this meadow because he was kind of feeding down and towards it. So I get to the spot where I should see that chocolate, and I just wait. That wind's right in my face. I got an arrow knocked. I mean, I'm ready, and I've snuck into this spot. I'm nice and quiet, and I just don't see anything, don't see anything. And so I wait there for about a half an hour or so, and finally it's like, well, I'm going to have to make it back to the boat, and I want to cross you know, I've had to cross in the dark before in the river, and that gets really sketchy. And and plus, this side hill is so steep. Um, you know, it doesn't look like any big deal when you're sitting across, but once you get over there, like it's full of these slippery, mossy rocks that, and, and steep drop offs and and cliffs. And so, I don't really want to navigate down that in the dark and then have to cross the river in the dark. Um, I've had to do it before, but. So I, I'm, it's kind of like a now or never. Let's see if we can make something happen. If not, I got to return to the boat and I got to cross. And then, you know, I got half the night just to make it back to my truck. So I start I start pushing forward into this meadow where this bear is. And there's like another hump that I can look over. And I just get into the spot and I look down below me and I spot that dang bear. And he's down below me. And I say dang bear because it's like, God, how, do, how could I not see him from that ridge line right there? But I just, I think he was tucked just enough over the edge and he's down below me and I've almost gone too far now because he's straight down below me and the wind is coming down the canyon, but it's also coming down the hill with the thermals starting to drop. And I'm going, oh no, he's going to win me. He's going to win me. And he's kind of looking around and, and then he just kind of makes his way to the edge of the timber and I couldn't get a range. He was maybe like only... 60 70 yards down below me and and uh, I was definitely going to get a little closer for a shot so I I didn't get a range on him and he worked down the edge of the timber and he wasn't spooked he didn't know I was there or anything and he started working down the edge of the timber and he got down to a spot down there and he was just kind of messing around down in the trees and so I started stalking down in on him and then pretty soon I find myself and I'm 51 yards away from that thing I can hit a tree down there but he's just got all these branches and limbs in the way and I'm just trying to dissect it with my binos and trying to find a way to kind of how do I slide narrow in there can I get narrow through that window and there's just no way and I want to sidestep to my right to kind of open up my shooting window but his head's looking around and his ears are up and I just don't dare get busted at this point I'm in bow range and I have a shooting window just to his right and so I, I think I, I slowly made two side steps and I'm I'm within this fifty one yards for gosh, maybe five minutes or so, and I just can't get a window through there. And finally he steps into my window and I maybe could have got a shot. I knew his exact yardage. I should have just drawn back and settled my pin on him. But instead of doing that, I pull up my binos. And I just want to make sure the shooting lane's clear now that he's there. Make sure I can get my arrow in there. I mean, I've done that before where you try to force an arrow. And your arrow hits off a limb and goes off into the abyss. And you think, God, why did I do that? Where if you know that limb's there, then you can kind of set your pins right. Or you can kneel down. Or you can get that arrow in there. But So I thought he'd, he'd take a second and he'd... 51 yards I pulled up my binos and I thought yeah I can get my shot in there I put my binos down and I grabbed my uh, grab my uh release you see I'm brain dead I can't even think of the word release right now but I I grab my release and then I go to draw back and right as I'm going to draw back and he's not looking my direction or anything but he bolts and and bolts out of there had a nice chocolate head on him I remember I just got to watch him for like five minutes there inside a bow range and that inside bow range is so thrilling when you're after your target animal I mean here I've 
you know, who knows how many miles I am back, um, and, and then lost all this elevation down the canyon, crossed the canyon with my boat, got up there and made a play on this bear, and I, I like made this opportunity happen. I'm and I'm in bow range, this thrilling encounter with, you know, with me, it, it's blue collar dangerous game. Black bear tags is something that we can all get and all. You know, it, it's so thrilling with your bow, and and there I got that encounter, I got that close encounter and that chance, and um, so fun. That's why I do it. But he bolted out of there. I ended up having to go back, get to the raft, um, the cross back. I I kind of floated down about a half a mile or so, and could just keep on the edge, keep out of that one rapid I was telling you guys about, and then get over to the left and pack up the raft, get all the air out of it. And then I've got this 30 pounds and God, I got to climb 2000 feet with it. And, uh, it's just mindset, just mental toughness. Like I've been talking about and thinking about, you know, and it's, it's just embrace it. Um, you know, it's, it's not often where you get to push your body, you know, not to its limits, but yeah, to its limits. I mean, where you get to blow yourself up a little bit, your legs up a little bit and, uh, really go for it. But it, it was all worth it. That close encounter on that bear, I wish I could have arrowed him, but, um, you know, I get to, I get to keep hunting pears now and keep trying. And, um, so it pretty fun. I made it back, um, got to the top, finally climbed all my elevation. It took me forever. I got home at 1230, one o'clock, something like that. Made it back to the truck. And, uh, so now here I am sitting down and recording a podcast. It, uh, so fun. Those spring bears. I really enjoy it. Um, so that, that was, uh, that was my story for, for last night. And then, um, so I just thought I'd get into it. Spring bear hunting. Um, so out here, out West, um, you can bait in Idaho, um, bait in some different places, but here in Montana, baiting's illegal and, um, dogs are illegal. And so we have to hunt them all, uh, spot and stock. Um, and that's, you know, I, I choose to hunt them with a bow. I just love a bow and arrow. I love getting close. I love the challenge of it. It just, it means so much to me. And so I started hunting bears with a, with a bow, but the, the same theories apply to hunting bears with a rifle. And, and, um, now, I don't begrudge anybody with hunting with a rifle. You, you, you have a little bit more range and, and bears, you don't see as many of them. You can go a lot of days and not see a bear. Just trying to figure out where they live and 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 where they like is is challenging. And so with a rifle, you know, not it's it's not easy by any means, but y- you have more range, so you don't have to find as many bears. You don't have to create as many encounters. Like you know, you may be able to go out and and maybe out of the the first few bears you see, you see a shooter and you're able to close the deal and and shoot them. And that's kind of why I love bow hunting is I fail a lot and it's really difficult. What that does is it gives me so many days of field. Um, I've had bear seasons before where I spend 50 days of field. Um, I get to go out after work in the evenings. I get to go out and I, you know, again, it's a balance with, with me and family and the girls and then, um, my hunting time, but they're so supportive. And so I'm able to sneak out in the evenings and in afternoons and go hunt. And then on the weekend, you know, I'm able to take care of responsibility and I just know when prime time is, or at least I'm always theorizing what time I should be hunting bears. And so, you know, I'll just go out for, for three hours during that stretch, two, three hours. And then I'm, I'm back home or I'm, I'm back taking care of responsibility or whatever the case. So I'm able to work it out, but I, 
I spend a, a tremendous amount of days in the field hunting bears, which um, ha- has taught me a ton about hunting. And when you have that many days of field, I mean, experience is the best teacher. And, and I'm able to, to be in the woods and experience, you know, where these bears are and, and reading sign and finding them. And, and so it's taught me a great deal. And so I, I try to explain how to hunt bears to people. Um, but, you know, through the last 10 or 15 years, it's just gaining these these 20 to 50 days experience, you know, every year stacked upon itself, you know, you, you get a, you get really good instincts for them, where bears like and, and, uh, uh, where, where bears like to be and, and the food sources they like and different seasons and, and, and different behavior of them. And so, um, so it's my job to try to articulate that to you guys through this podcast and really do, uh, a, a a comprehensive breakdown of bear season and what I've learned and what I've gained. And it's, it's always tough because these, these, these lessons that you learn, um, it, you know, a lot of them are, are anecdotal, you know, it's just my experiences out there, but that, that really is all it is when you're hunting is just theories that you have and then proving them right. And, and so, you know, there's multiple ways to kill a bear, and I'm not saying that that my way is the only way. And I, you know, it it's spot and stalk out here, and it's uh, so you gotta you gotta find them, you gotta locate them is the first step. But um, I I don't begrudge anybody for hunting them with bait. Um, you know, I think in some of that thicker cover, it's definitely the most effective way um, where you're gonna see a lot of bears. You're gonna get a lot of opportunities when you do get a shot. It's gonna be close on a setup, and so. Um, you know, I, I definitely don't begrudge anybody hunting them with bait. It's just, um, you know, the way I've hunted them out here is spot and stock. And, and I, it's, it's the toughest way to try to kill a bear. You got to go out and you got to go find them in the woods and then put a stock on them. And then not to mention, you know, with me with orange on during rifle season, then I've got to go make a stock and kill them with my bow. It's so challenging. And so when it comes together for me and I, I am able to accomplish my goal, it, it means the world to me. And so, you know, killing a bear with a bow, spot and stock, it, it may be a multiple year quest. I know for me, it took me three years of going hard before I finally killed my first bear, you know, probably a hundred days of field to figure it out and kill my first bear. And so, um, that's the way I choose to do it. But, but you guys, you know, if you get a chance to hunt them any other way or hunt them with a rifle, you know, you need to have some success to be able to keep going too. And so, um, getting out there with a rifle, the same tactics apply of finding bears and then, uh, putting a stock on them and then closing the deal. Um, so, um, that, that's my explanation of spot and stock bear hunting here in Montana. Um, so let's start with, um, locating bears or maybe we should start with uh kind of what i'm looking for in locations this is one of the biggest key to finding bears and so i kind of break down bear season in three different parts i call it the the early season the mid season and the late season and so a lot of this applies to to out west here in our our western states that you can hunt black bears in the idaho wyoming montana and that kind of stuff so the early season, it's the, the first part of the year, and it's where these bears are, are first coming out of, out of their dens and they're exploring. And so this this early season, and I think of the early season, that it goes from probably April 15th to May 5th. Now, it's all different, and, and bear hunting, one of the, especially in the spring, one of the most key factors that, that I that I, I really harp on is, is elevation. And elevation is everything with these bears. They 
um, they they just seem to be at a certain elevation in the spring. And once you can key into that elevation, you can go to different mountain ranges and find bears at that same elevation. So I really key in on on elevation. And, um, and, and then what I'm looking for in this early season, these, these bears, they're just coming outside of their dens. They're just waking up. The warm weather is starting to get them up. I've also heard that the snow starts to melt and drip on them from inside their dens. There's a bunch of different theories, but these bears, they start to come out. And when bears first come out in the springtime, um, they don't want to leave the security of their dens. They don't want to travel too far yet. Springtime here in the, in, in Montana or in the mountains, it, you know, a snowstorm can come in at any point. The cold can come in at any point. Any night can get down back into the teens to where it, it's too cold for these bears just to be sleeping around in the timber. And so um, they, they stay close to their dens. They wake up from hibernation and they kind of come outside their dens and they feed around on whatever's around their dens. And a lot of times it doesn't look like there's much. Like a lot of times they're coming out onto snow banks. They're coming out onto... You know, a, the majority of the time they want to find a burnt off hillside. They love like a burnt off south facer or a burnt off little meadow. And they, they love to come out in that because there's snow all over in the timber. Um, and, and so they'll come out on these little meadows. And just like the bears I found yesterday, which were, you know, which was um, April 21st, which is early. They were just coming outside of their dens and they're feeding on this meadow grass and they're just feeding on the little new green shoots that are coming up, but they don't want to get too far from their dens. And so I like to look for for denning locations and denning locations to me, I've read a bunch of different uh, statistics on or statistics or uh, stats on on information, not even stats. I've, I've just read information that says that bears like to den from six to 9,000 feet. They like to den on north side hillsides and and like to dig into the snow. And I, I don't know that that's the case around here. Um, it could be different in every location. And maybe, you know, if you had multiple feet of snow, which we do here, but I just don't see them out of the snow dens too often. For me, I catch them on uh, rocky hillsides. And, uh, uh, it, it's that really gnarly, rocky, steep country, and and uh, they like to find little caves in in that stuff and den in. And I've seen them go in and out of dens that they've made on those hillsides. But but that's kind of the country that I've found them in, and what I look for in the early season as I look for rugged, rocky canyons, and I look for low elevation. Um, you know, the elevation. For me, here where I'm at, Montana goes anywhere from about 4,500 to 10,000. And uh, in this early season, I like to be as low as possible on a bear feature. And and so I like to be, you know, I think where I was finding those bears yesterday, I'll have to look, but I think it's right around 5,000 feet in elevation. And um, my buddy Dan, he saw three uh, a couple days ago um, up where he's at, up around Helena up there, and he found a denning location. Same deal. He could see the, the one bear going in and out of its den. Um, but I think he said he was 5,400. Um, so right around that elevation. But I like to look for, for denning locations. They come out periodically through the day, and it, it's weird to know what times bears are going to come out because it's always changing. And, um, 
you know, as it gets hotter and into the the May months where it's getting 70, 80 degrees, um, you know, the bears like to come out just early morning and late evening and, and not too much throughout the day as it's hot. Um, right now, we're just getting the end of winter. It's been cold. And so now it's warming up. I think yesterday got in the 60s and those bears were out middle of the day. And um, so I spotted a bear at two, and I spotted another bear at, I think, four, and then another one at maybe 4.30 or something like that. And then the the chocolate I was after, he came out at 5.30 and was out for the rest of the night. Um, but, but they like to come out during the middle of the day, and so you never quite know when prime time is. It changes, and, and especially if you get a rainy or an overcast day, those bears will be out all day long. Every little break in the storm, they'll be out. Um, a lot of days, if it's hot and sunny and bright, uh, you won't see them as much throughout the middle of the day. But late afternoon, evening, they'll start to come out. And evening, you know, it's it's just different than, than elk and deer in that fall season where they're pressured and they come out at first light and last light. And bears can do that too, but they just seem to run a different program. So even in the evening, I see a lot of bears at, at 6 o'clock. And by the time 7.30 or 8 o'clock or that last hour of witching light, a lot of times those bears are put away by then. Um, so a, a safe bet for bears um, is, is always going out afternoon, evening. I like to do... Um, you know, like four or five o'clock and, and do till dark. And that's always been a, a good producer for me as far as bears. Um, but play with it a little bit, you know, depending on what the forecast of the day is, um, go out and check it out. And right now in this early season, middle of the day can be really good. Um, late morning can be really good. So it's just when they're waking up and coming outside their dens. And so, I like to look for these denning locations, the rough, rocky hillsides, and there doesn't have to be a lot of food, and there doesn't have to be a lot of green. Um, a lot of times when you're looking for bear spots, you're looking for the best feed. You're looking for the greenest grass, um, and it's just not the case in this early season. The early season, you're looking for denning locations, and then they come out around these denning locations, and, and they feed on whatever's around there. Pine cones, sticks, and rocks, maybe. <laughs> but uh, they have a lot of times, just green shoots and just whatever they can find, and then they, they like the security of those dens. So that early season, that's what I like to focus on. Um as the seasons change, it starts getting warmer and warmer, move into the second part or the, the second season, which I call the mid-season. And the mid-season is when these bears really key on the food source. Um, it seems like they, they leave the security of their dens and they start trying to find the, the greenest grass. And in the green grass, it, it greens up where the snow melts. And so they like to be right on the snow melt and get those fresh green shoots. I think those, those fresh green shoots ha have more nutrition to them or they're more nutritious or, um, maybe they taste better or, you know, I, I I'm not sure, but these bears sure like to follow that snow melt up. And the snow melt um, in, in these meadows will work its way up and you can just see that green start to pop off them. That's where those bears want to be. And again, key in on the elevation. If you're finding them at 6,000 feet, you focus on 6,000 feet. And, and, and this, this elevation keeps climbing throughout the year. And by the end of the season, you'll be finding bears at, at 7,500. And, and that's where they'll be is they'll be at that elevation. And usually... Um, by spring bear, I never really get to the top of the mountain that eight to 10,000 feet in elevation is more for summer range and, and, uh, 
more for early fall. And so um, I never really get up to those elevations when I'm spring bear hunting. You start lower. And um, so that mid-season, they really key in on the green grass and they really key in on the meadow grass because the timber still holds snow and it hasn't started to green up. The timber hasn't got enough sunlight yet. And so um, all this meadow grass starts coming up and these bears love to feed on this meadow grass. And this is this is the most productive season for me. And it goes from, oh, I'd say May 1st to oh, May 20th or so. And, and even after that, it can be really good. But I'd say that's that good mid-season where these, these bears leave the security of their dens. They move to find green grass and then they feed on these meadows. And now when I'm hunting bears... They don't like like these big wide open hillsides. Um, they like security. They like to be secluded. They they really like these little green pocket parks, and they 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 like to find these lush spots. And I hate to say which sides of hillsides. It's a it doesn't always hold true. You can find a bear on any hillside, and I can find a bear on a south side just the same as I can a north side. But it sure does seem to me like they like these north shaded sides and you get that real lush green grass and as it gets hot that those those lush parks on that north side they don't burn off they stay shaded long enough where they really grow that 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 real neon green grass and those bears love that they love those little pocket parks and so i'm really looking for that type of country and the and then into the late season, the late season, the rut really gets kicking in. They start moving country. What also happens is the timber starts to green up. And so these bears, they don't have to come into those pocket parks as much where they can just feed away all day long in the timber. And so it gets a little bit tougher to find them sometimes, but it just depends on the year. If you got a heavy snow year, it still forces a lot of those bears out into those meadows. They're crossing meadows. They're also trying to breed sows, and so they make themselves visible throughout the day as they're traveling country looking for sows, and then once they find them, they're they're chasing them around the meadows and that. And so um, that's a the, the rut, and, and as we get into the late season, and we're open till um, – Better check the regs. I can't remember the. I think it's June fifteenth is us here, so we get to hunt them all the way to June fifteenth, and so that later stage in May and early in June, I'm still doing a lot of glassing and looking, but I'm also walking through a lot of timber and spots, and so we'll go over the tactics to hunt them. So that's kind of what I'm looking for early, mid, and late season, or that's what the bears are up to. Um. When I'm hunting bears, so I'm spot and stock, my most effective way to hunt those things is to grab the master vantage point. And to grab the master vantage point, it's it's like this way of thinking. And this is this really transposes to all hunting. You know, I just if I can see them, I can kill them. And if I know they're there, you know, then I can I can figure out a way to try to get close to them. And so for me, locating bears is number one. And so I, I want to find master vantage points that, that show off a lot of country. But again, you don't find them on those big wide open hillsides. And if you do, they're usually covering country, moving through. They're not stopping and feeding and not living there. And so I like to look, you know, right on the edge of the trees. And I like to look in those pocket parks, big north side features that have little pocket parks at the right elevation. I just know I'm going to find a bear in those spots. And so... That's kind of what I'm looking for. Spot and stock is my most effective tactic. And so I want to find that master vantage point. I want to hike to that master vantage point and I want to sit there and watch. And 
And bears are weird too. Like you can sit on a master vantage point and you can sit there for four hours and not see a bear. Does it mean there's not a bear in there? No, it. Uh, I've, I'm getting caught in my double negatives. But no, it doesn't mean there's not a bear there. You, you got to cover it multiple days and then on the third or fourth day you may see a bear. But it's tough to go to the same spot if you're not seeing them in there. And so... It's this really tough balance uh, of just trying to find quality areas that that produce bears. And so what I do is I, I find drainages that either look really good to me or that have produced bears in the past. And then I know bears frequent there. Or maybe I see sign in there. I see scat or I see tracks and I, I know they're in there. And, and if I know there's bears there, well, then I'll, I'll sit at a vantage point and I'll take a skunk. I Like, I'll take a not seeing a bear for a night and that's fine. I'll come back the next night and I'll sit there and maybe I'll see one then or maybe I'll I'll change to a different vantage point or another thing I'll do is I'll 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 use a moving vantage point and you really got to sit down and look for these things. I mean, a bear it stands out like a sore thumb if it's sitting out in the middle of the meadow. It's a it's a black bear out in a green meadow. You see it. But these these bears, like you'll notice when you spot them, like they work in and out of meadows and on the edge of them and in the timber. And a lot of times you can't see them just because they're in the timber. They're behind a tree. They're behind a bush. You know, they're always kind of moving in there. And so you you got to be glassing and you got to really sit down on these master vantage points. Some of my best bear spots, you take a, a snapshot of that. Like say you, you look from my master vantage and you glass it real quick and you don't see anything and you move on. Like, I could see six bears that night from that vantage point. Like, it's just sitting there and it's looking over country and waiting for those bears to come out. And so you have to build confidence in your bear spot. And so how I find bear spots is either like I found bears in there in the fall, but I found them up higher. So I think down lower, you know, I try to theorize where they're where they'll den, where the good feeding features are, where I'll see them at the right elevation. And I just come up with game plans and then I get in there and then I assess it. Did I see sign in there? Did I see any bears in there? You know, how did the country look? And if it looks good to me, I'll go in there again. And and then I. You know, I always change it up, you know, a couple, two, three nights and not seeing a bear. And it's like, all right, I'll just give this spot some time. I'm going to go to a new spot. I'm going to go check a new drainage. And, you know, like I have this one, this one spot that's been really good to me. And I remember I, I sat on this vantage point and I sat there this one evening and then I sat there two nights in a row and I didn't see anything come out in any of the meadows and it's prime time. And so I figure, well, the next day I'm going to go hunt the other side of it. And I ended up hunting the other side, this this other drainage. Um, and, and I ended up climbing to the top of that drainage. I, I can't remember. I think I had seen a bear up there or something. So I climbed to the top. Well, then I could glass back and I'm on the other side of the big canyon. that, And I can glass over and I can see my vantage point that I've been sitting on the last two nights. And right below my vantage point right there, I watched this giant jet black walk right below my vantage point that I had sat on for the last two nights. And he walked right by there and feeding on a meadow. And... I didn't have enough time to get to him and then of course tried to go back the next night and never saw that bear again but it it, it just goes to show you when you're in bear spots like you, you don't see them all and it's it's one of the things you kind of struggle with mentally 
But you just got to keep going, keep theorizing, and you kind of just create your own luck. And you can have, you know, you can have a few days where you don't see a bear and then all of a sudden it'll come together. And, and where one bear is hanging out, there'll be multiple bears. You know, they, they're they not spread out throughout country or their populations. They they just seem like when you find a, a bear drainage or a bear spot, there's, there's more than one in there. And case in point was just like yesterday, finding three bears my first day out. Like you find a spot that bears like and you see him in there there's multiple bears so you just got to keep going and keep theorizing until you can find that spot and you'll take seeing some zeros to have one of those days where you see five and you get a play and you get a stock so um, I really try to find the master vantage points and I'll hike to them and, and then as I'm hiking to them I'm also hunting and I'm still hunting and and I'll kind of still hunt my way through and I'm looking for sign I'm looking for scat um, I, I really like so there's, glassing is my number one tactic, and so that's what I wanted to cover is really finding that master vantage point, looking over country. That's how I kill bears. I sit on the vantage point. I see them. I make a game plan. I, I run down, and you know it takes me a few times usually, but then eventually that bear's still there. I make a stalk, and I kill him. Um, but but there's more than one way to kill a bear, and, and not everybody has the luxury of having the, the semi-open terrain that I have. A lot of people have thicker terrain. Well, so I thought I'd cover some of the other ways that you can go about hunting bears that spot and stock style. So um, one is still hunting. And so I do incorporate a lot of still hunting in, in my bear season because I've got to travel to and from my vantage points. Um, and, and a lot of times the, the spots where the bears are hanging, I can't glass effectively. And so I'm forced to go still hunt these places. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Take another drink of coffee if I'm not already fired up. But anyways, I incorporate still hunting in my in my bear hunting as well to hit these spots. And um, so so what I'll do is I'll still hunt, and bears are all about the wind. The wind is absolutely everything with bears when you're stalking. I mean, yeah, they can hear you snap a twig, and they can take off running, which they will. Um or they can see you and catch movement, but if you hold still, boy, they sure forget about you. They're, they're, um, let's see, what are they're uh, nearsighted, and so I think far, like you're a little blurry. Like I've had it, I've actually been chasing a bear in an open meadow, and every time he picks up his head or looks around, I just freeze and he doesn't see me. And so the wind is what you've really got to worry about. And so as you're still hunting, try to plan it around. these thermals and directionals to to work your way up a drainage you know as you got a downhill thermal and and hunt your way through it and so I incorporate still hunting into my bear hunting a lot and where I'm still hunting quite a bit is I'm still hunting bottoms Um, bottoms around here they just grow neon grass down in the bottom of these things and a lot of times they're hard to glass but there's a lot of sign down there a lot of bear scat and it's where these bears are coming to feed and again this is another spot where these bears feel secluded they they love to feel secluded and hidden in these these little open grass meadows and these bottoms are perfect for them they green up and they're lush and and uh, they're super secluded down there and so what I'll do is I'll still hunt my way through those and and uh, I I found quite a few bears still hunting through those bottoms um, 
Another thing I'll do is I'll um, skitter roads. Um, bears love skitter roads. Same thing. Like these skitter roads will cut through north sides, uh, hillsides, and they'll they'll cut through different places. Well, the the skitter roads are the one place in the timber that gets the light, gets just enough light to grow this neon green grass. And so the bears use these as highways through the backcountry. And so. I love hunting skitter roads. Skitter roads for spring bear can be uh, really productive and conducive. So um, I hunt bottoms and I hunt skitter roads. Um, and, and even some of the timber that I go to my vantage points, these bears get in and like. And so, you know, I'll find a hillside that, that holds some sign and I'll start still hunting through it with a good wind. And, and every once in a while, I'll bump into a bear. Um, so, so there's multiple tactics that, that you can incorporate into your bear hunting. And, and, you know, it's, it's just, there's more than one way to kill a bear and there's more than one way to be effective. And you're trying to, you know, just, just be as, as productive as you can. And so sitting on those vantage points for me is number one, but I can still hunt my way back and forth to them. Or if I find a place with a bunch of sign, I'll go still hunt it. And so it's, it's just another way to go about it, but really key in on the skitter roads, the bottoms, um, you know, maybe main trails or main ridge lines. Um, I, I know guys down in the South focus on water sources a little bit more, and we've got so much water here in Montana that I don't really focus on, on water sources so much, but that may be a good tactic as if you're, uh, in a different part of the country as well. But, um, spot and stock is my main tactic, getting on those master vantage points, dissecting the land and, and, you know, I, I say master vantage points is I like to look over a ton of country and the spot I was yesterday, I can look over an immense amount of country, but it, it doesn't always shape up that way. A lot of these places, these bears like, like I talk, these secluded meadows and these secluded spots, these pocket parks, these north side hillsides, you know, you may be hiking into a drainage and you may only be looking at two or three bear features but it's the only vantage point you can keep an eye on those two, three bear features without sitting on the feature, getting your wind in there. And so a lot of times I'll just hike up a drainage and I'm just looking, when I say master vantage, I'm looking at the best vantage to look over as much country as I can. But again, you just don't find them on those wide open hillsides. They want to be in those, those little secluded parks on the edges of that timber. I mean, how many times am I going to say secluded parks in this podcast? We should have a count going. I swear it's about a dozen. If this was a, a drinking game, every time I, I took one, we'd be in trouble, but, um, they really do like that. And so that's what I try to focus on. And so a lot of times I'll work my way up a drainage just to get a look at four different North facing features that are full of that green, luscious grass grass. And I'll sit up there and I'll watch and I'll wait and I'll watch them for, you know, and, and the time just depends. Like I like to sit on them. If I know it's a good vantage point, I'll just go there and I'll sit there the whole night. I'll sit there three, four hours. Um, a lot of times, you know, I'm looking at a spot that may take me 45 minutes or an hour to get to. And so I know as it starts getting low on light, like I'll just circle back around the feature and I'll just still hunt my way back to the truck and kind of do a mobile glassing. Like I like, I like using a mobile vantage point too. And I do in a lot of my hunting where I work ridge lines and things where I can glass off that ridge line down on feeding features kind of as I move through. And, and then I'm also kind of still hunting as well. And so I'll use that as well. And so the time you sit on a vantage point, I, it, it just changes and it just varies depending on, you know, your feel of the spot, how many bears you've seen there before, how much time does it take you to get to there? 
Um, so, so there's a lot of different factors that go into it, but, um, I, I like to sit on the vantage points for as long as possible because that's where I see the majority of my bears. So, okay, where are we at? We're, we've, um, we, we talked about spots where we found them. We're really keying in on elevation. Uh, again, you have to drink again. I'm going to say pocket parks, north side features, um, but just hiking in these drainages and just looking around and then reading the sign. Um, you know, where bears feed in meadow grass, they leave scat and there'll, there'll be piles of, of bear scat in there. So when you find a good meadow, you know, you'll find five, six, ten piles of bear scat, sometimes even more if they're living in there. And so if you find that, you know that you can set up and look at that feature and eventually there'll be a bear come out in there. You know bears living in there. And and so that's key too. You know, you use these vantage points and, and you still hunt to and from them, but sometimes you just got to go walking around too just to discover what's around, what kind of signs around and where these bears are living. And, and, and then once you find out where they're living, then you can go, okay, how can I see this spot? Where can I set up? And so uh, I find these vantage points and, and try to set up. And then, you know, the most important part or the, not the most important, but the funnest, most thrilling part of bear hunting is when you, when you find one and you find a good boar and then it's time to make a stock. So, okay, we'll say uh, you spotted a bear. Now it's time to field judge them up. And um, so these bears, I, I almost always carry my scope. You can judge them with binos if you're hunting a close spot. And a lot of spots that I'm just hunting where I'm still hunting or I know I'll be close to the feature, I'll try to get away with just binos. But I like to carry my scope. And so when you see a bear, you have to judge them up, see what his size is. You're also trying to identify sex. Um, you can kill sows here in, in Montana, but um, you, you don't really want to. You want to try to harvest the boars. The boars have the the, the big pumpkin heads on them. Uh, they've got that good look you're after. It's better for the species. Um, so so you want to try to decide if it's a, a boar or sow. So the first thing you look for is little ones. You always look for cubs. And keep an eye on that bear and watch him 10, 15 minutes and, and just make sure he doesn't have any cubs with him and, and, or he, I guess it would be a she if she had cubs with him, but you, you want to look and, and, and make sure it doesn't have any cubs and, and, uh, you'll see those little guys, they'll be hanging around mom. But a lot of times you'll see that sow for a while out in a meadow before you see those cubs, sometimes 10 minutes and then she'll come back up to a spot and then you'll, you'll see those cubs. And so you want to look for cubs as first and foremost. And then, uh, after they don't have any cubs or after you identify that, that uh, there's no little ones with them, um, then you start to look at the bear and, and you start to, Really look at the the shape of the body, and you want a filled out bear. You don't want a like a a, a, a lanky bear. <laughs> lanky. So this is funny. So um, I think I said lengthy forever. Like that's just been in my vocabulary, and I've had it wrong the whole time. So anytime you're talking about like a like a young lab, or you're talking about a young bear, you know it's lengthy. That's what I used to always say instead of lanky. And so my wife caught me on it the other day, and so that's kind of been the joke around our house. So I swear lengthy works too, right? I mean, if that bear is skinny and lengthy tall and I think that's maybe why I've got away with it for so long <laughs> but it uh it is lanky uh but those those lanky bears um that means it's a young bear and and bears are funny right because um bears when they're four or five years old they're still not a mature bear I mean once they're starting to get to five to six years old they're starting to be mature but bears can live to be you know into their teens and even their 20s and so a lot of times a big bear 
it has to be 10 or 12 years old to be a big bear, but you, you want to try to judge them up and, and you got to figure out what you're happy with. And, and I always say trophy hunting, you got to work your way up the, the totem pole. You got to work your way up the rungs of the ladder. You know, you got to walk before you can run. So, you know, that being said, nobody wants to shoot a, a little tiny bear. Nobody wants to shoot a four or four and a half footer. And it, it's tough. Bears are the toughest animals to judge. And it's really easy to get excited. And it's easy to make a small bear look big, it, you know, and, and and try to think it's 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 okay. But you got to you got to really judge them up and, and make sure that it's not a tiny bear. Um, you know, what's your goals for the season? Well, I, I figure here in Montana, I mean, without, you don't get to see a bunch of bears. We have to spot and stalk them. And we do have some giant ones here, but you know, you, you kind of got to have some opportunities, some chances to stalk bears. And so for me, I look for a boar and I want them to be five foot or bigger. And, and a lot of people call five foot a small bear, but, um, here in Montana, a lot of the mature bears that we see that are six, seven years old, they only get to five foot, five and a half foot. So to me, you know, that's a decent bear and a decent representation of the species. And so, um, I try to look like usually my goals, I've killed enough of them now with my bow that, that I want one that I'm going to be psyched with. I want one that's, that's going to be mature. And so for me, I look for a five and a half footer and I want them to have a 17 inch skull. I think Pope and Young's 16 and a half or so. So somewhere right in there. And then I know he's going to have a a round pumpkin head to him. He's going to have a good shape. He's going to be filled out in a decent bear. And so that's kind of what I try to set my standards off. So you're trying to identify whether it's a, a male or a female. You don't want them lanky or lengthy. Either way works for me. Uh, but you don't want them lanky. You want them filled out. Um, and the ultimate bear is as wide in the chest as he is in the in his stomach. So he's going to have a, a big chest, boars. They have thick legs on them, thick arms, thick forearms, um, you know, uh, uh, boars, I like to look at their head and I like to, you can draw a triangle. So when they look right at you, you can draw a triangle from the, both the ears to the tip of the nose. If that triangle looks like all the sides are equal or like a right triangle, then that's a boar. If, if that triangle is long and skinny, like the distance between the ears is small and then the distance between the ears to the nose is long. So it's this long skinny triangle, you know, that's a sow. Um, they can they can be tough and and really it's looking at a lot of bears and a big bear there's no doubt about it they're just big and they've got kind of a waddle or a walk to them and everything shakes and they they've got this big round pumpkin head on them so there's no doubt about it when you when you see a big five and a half six footer six and a half footer I'd say I'd say to call it a really big bear would be a six footer plus here in Montana and I'm psyched if they go over six foot uh six and a half foot that that's a giant mountain bear and I I kind of think of it like brown bears or grizzlies like the inland grizzly bears they don't get as big as the the coastal brown bears um you know they're they're way smaller in fact you know they're they're related genetically um but one is has had a diet of fish and grows bigger and has has you know, its genetics have evolved over the years to where now they grow giant bears where they can be 2,000 pounds or 1,500 pounds for a, for a brown bear. 
Um, but that same species, that inland grizzly, is is a smaller bear. And same thing with these black bears. Like they may get some really big ones in the the Alaska and, and those coastal places where they do kill six and a half, seven footers. Even Canada, and, and we grow big bears here too. You could kill a seven footer here in Montana, but on average, they just they just run smaller. And and people ask about the weight of our bears. You know the weight. Um, they're a lot smaller, especially coming out in the spring. They just don't weigh that much. And I know some of those East coasts, they get four and 500 pound bears. Like we just don't get those here. Like a good springtime bear weighs 300 pounds. And I never know because I never get a bear out whole. Every place I hunt them, I've always got to, to quarter them and bone them out and then, you know, get them out that way. And so, um, but just guessing at their weight and, and kind of rolling them around, you know, a big bear for us is 300 pounds. Um, so you got to set your standards of what you want. You try to judge up that bear. I mean, that's the best indicator to me is looking at the head and then the, the shape of the bear. Um, also a sow's hind end will be the biggest part on them and stick higher than the shoulders. Um, let's see what other tells do I have? Um, you know, like a, like a boar, um, you know, it'll almost it'll almost have like a stovepipe nose on them that goes on to this round head, you know. And I, I think the head is the best indicator, but also those thick forearms, thick legs, bigger chests. Those boars are going to have bigger chests on them. And it's just looking at a lot of them and, and, and judging them up, and and um, you kind of get a feel for it. But that's that's kind of what I try to go off of when I'm judging them up. So once you figure out it's a bear you want to shoot, you know, you you get a play. You get to try to make a stock. And this is the fun part. Um, you know, I, I said it before, but um, black bears, they are a dangerous game. And so um, it's kind of us, us blue collars. Uh, hunters a, a way to hunt dangerous game because I, I'm never going to be able to afford to hunt grizzly bears and and uh, I mean never say never I mean not that I you know maybe someday I'll get an opportunity I know they're they're making some seasons here in the states and so um, I, I'd love to hunt them I'd love to hunt a coastal brown bear I just don't have the 20 or 30 grand to go hunt them and so for me um, I can hunt black bears and I can hunt them every year and I really get into like the color phases I love chasing the different color phases I mean, we've got chocolates and light chocolate, dark chocolate with cinnamon. Um, you know, we've got blondes. Um, and, and blonde is blonde is like a, a bull elk hide. Um, just wild coloration. And we see quite a few of those around as well. And then you've got the jet blacks. And then um, it's just something that you spend enough time doing and, and uh, spend enough time bear hunting or whatever it is you get such an appreciation for the species and bear hunting is one of my favorites like I love just sitting and watching them they're one of the coolest animals to sit and watch but I really get a, an appreciation for those those big pumpkin headed boars you know and those those really cool color phases and so uh for, for me I mean I just absolutely love it and the springtime I have one tag in the fall I may have four or five I may have 10 tags that I have to focus on a week at a time but in the spring you know I I've got two and a half months to just focus on bears Let's see April May I guess I've got two months to just focus on bears 
Um, so, so it's pretty cool to just have this one tag and just really put all my effort into hunting them. And so I'm really into it. Um, I, I, I love going out. I love trying to find them. I love how difficult and challenging it is the way we have to do it here in Montana. So it just means the world to me if I'm able to spot bears or be successful or to figure it out, to, to put the pieces of the puzzle together and figure out where bears are living and go get into them. And it, you know, it's like anything I do outdoors. I always take, I always say if I could, if I can take somebody fly fishing when it's salmon flies and, and, and those trout are just coming up and grabbing this huge dry fly on the surface and you may get 50 takes a night and you're landing these 20 inch fish, these 22, 24 inch fish on a dry fly. Like, I don't care who you are. I can take you from the middle of the city. Like if I take you out and I take you salmon fly fishing, it's going to be one of the funnest things you've ever done. And I always say that about outdoors is, is, I'm always chasing the payoff, like bear hunting. I've done it enough to where, you know, I I know that thrilling close encounter. If I could take somebody out bear hunting where I had one of those nights where we spotted five bears and we ran like Apaches down the mountains, maybe that's not PC enough, but that's what I feel like sometimes is like just running down the mountains with my bow. And then uh, I get in close and I'm watching my footfalls and I've got this dangerous game, this 300 pound, six foot black bear in front of me feeding on grasses, or maybe he's chasing a sow and I'm trying to work in on him I just sweat rolling down my brow and I've got my bow and I'm trying to get in range that is so exhilarating and visceral like if I can take somebody out and show them that I guarantee I don't care who you are you're gonna have fun and you're gonna be excited your your heart's gonna be beaten out of your chest and a lot of times I describe bear hunting that way 99% boredom with 1% pure thrilling excitement and that's what it is and you're working towards that payoff And, and for me that payoff with a bow and arrow is so exciting that I'll go to the end, earth, end of the earth, like a, a case in point last night. You know, here I'll cross this canyon and get home at in the middle of the night and, and hike for three hours to climb this 2,000 feet elevation with a 30 pound raft on my back just for that one chance at that black bear to try to get an arrow in him. And so, um, for, for me, I, I absolutely love it. And, and if I could just share with you guys like one of those good days like that where you get that chance, that bear with a rifle or with a bow or whatever it is, but you get that chance to see him through your glass and that little dose of adrenaline you get when you see him through your glass and you're sizing him up and you go, oh yeah, he's a good board. Look at the head on that thing. And so then all of a sudden you're fired up and you're like, God, he's just going to feed in that meadow. I got, I got a chance at this thing. You know, and you get another spike of adrenaline, then you get to go make a play and try to get in close range. Um, it, it's, it's just so thrilling. I just absolutely love it. So all right, I'm getting off topic again because I'm, I'm just getting fired up over hunting bears, but I, I just want to express like how fun it is and what an opportunity all of us hunters have that we can all go out west like a Montana tag is over the counter here for non-residents. Like anybody can go experience this, and this is kind of these blue-collar adventures that you know not all of us can afford to do all this expensive stuff, but you know each one of us, if we budget right on a working-class budget, we can figure out a way to go hunt these black bears and go hunt this danger game and there there isn't many guys in the woods it's so enjoyable you see so many deer and elk and moose and then you see bears and you get to watch them and you just get to spend time in the mountains and 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 each and every one of us can create this opportunity and come out west and hunt bears and, and get you know this this dangerous game with their with our bows or with their rifle or whatever the case but we can all go experience this you know it's just a matter of making a game plan and making it happen so um, fired up on bears. We got that. Um, okay. I'm at an hour and five minutes. I've still got to do the question and answer. And, uh, 
I, I can't, uh, I got to try to keep this thing under two hours. So let's go for stalking bears. So we're sitting on the vantage point. We spot a bear, you know, a lot of seeing the bear, you want to try to create an opportunity, but at the same time, you just can't be reckless. I've stalked enough bears to know a lot of times you get over there and they're gone and, and you don't, you get your scent in their area and you might spook them off, or maybe you did spook them getting in there because the conditions weren't right. And so you really want to wait for the right conditions. Um, like I said before, the wind is everything. Everything, everything, everything with bears. Bears can smell 100 times what a bloodhound can smell. I mean, think of that for a second. Maybe it was a, a thousand times better than a bloodhound. Um, I've, I've got... Uh, uh, sometimes I, uh, those facts, I can look it up. Gosh, I've got the internet right here in front of me, but a hundred or a thousand, whatever the case is, it's absolutely amazing. They can smell, you know, a hundred times better or a thousand times better than a bloodhound can smell. I mean, bears live and die by their nose. They can't see that well. Now they can see movement. If you move and they catch that movement, they see in, in a, a bear will spook like a whitetail. I mean, it'll just leave country. If it hears a stick snap, I mean, they're always uh, worried about whether it's grizzly bears here in Montana or a bigger black bear, and, and bears are predatory. They'll kill other bears that are in their area, and so these bears are always having to be mindful of predators, and so um, black bears, they'll spook just like a whitetail will. So um, you got to watch your sound as you're moving in, but wind is everything with your game plan. So what I'll do is I'll watch a bear, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to figure out how long is he going to be in that opening? That's what I'm always trying to figure out. You know, is the bear moving through? Do I got to try to cut him off, try to catch him at the next feature? Is he living in that feature? Is he feeding on that meadow grass? Okay, he's out in the meadow. Did he just come out in there? How long do I think he'll feed for? How long do I think it'll take me to get over there? And so, you know, a lot of times if I can get to him, I'll assess the wind, and you really want to have a good wind. And a, a good wind, I mean— you know, we all have a wind check bottle, but it's like this better understanding of wind that we need to grasp, and especially when we're hunting bears. And this is one of the things that has made me really good at at at, at being able to read the winds, and it's made me a better muley hunter, a better elk hunter. I mean, if you can just eliminate that factor with animals, you're going to be, you know, 50% more successful or more. You know, how many times do you get busted by the wind? And so it's this better understanding of wind. And so when you're sitting on the vantage points, you know, be taking tabs of the wind and, and just try to figure out, like, there's directionals and thermals. And you guys have heard me talk about this. Directionals, you know, you'll have a dominant way that the directionals will usually bend, you know, will usually blow. Like here in southwest Montana, uh we we usually get like a, a south wind is our dominant wind direction. Now it can be a little southwest, a little southeast, but it's normally south. Now, you know, maybe two out of 10 days or one out of 10 days, we get a north wind. And so, you know, I really pay attention to this because this is the way I'll get into and hunt spots with the wind. And so I'm really paying attention to the directionals and the directionals get stronger in the afternoon and then it'll almost die off in the evening a lot of times. And then the uh, thermals are really important, and I know we've covered this, um, but, you know, the thermals, okay, right away in the morning, uh, the air's cool and the air's dropping, so the thermals are coming downhill. Um, as the sun starts to hit the valley floor, it warms up that air, that air starts to rise, it comes uphill, creating uphill thermals. Uh, as long as you got sunshine, hot day, those uphill thermals will continue to come uphill throughout the day. If you get a storm that moves in or cloud cover, what it can do is cool down the air. Then the air starts uh, falling or dropping. That'll create a downhill thermal. Um, 
um, thermals are the worst right when they're changing. So around 9 to 10 in the morning and then in the afternoon as the sun starts to dip when they're changing right there. Um, I actually don't mind those thermals as much in the afternoon, evening as they start to drop and come around. But um, yeah, and so then, you know, in the afternoon, evening, when the hillsides start to get shaded, that that air cools and then it drops, creating downhill thermals. And so you really want to read this in canyons. The thermals down in the canyon bottoms are going to take more control because the directionals can't blow in there with the ridgelines. Um, up on the ridgelines, you know, the directionals are going to have more control. And ultimately, you want to find where the directionals and the thermals are working together. And it's just not a perfect science, guys. It's like one of these things you just got to figure out, try to read in the drainage, try to learn and get a higher understanding of what the winds are doing. And, and then try to wait. Like sometimes, you know, it's just getting shaded in the hillside and you think, okay, I'm going to make a play on this bear, but I need to wait 15 more minutes until that hillside's shaded. And then I'm going to get a steady downhill thermal because there's, there's no better feeling than stalking a bear and having that wind right in your face. Then you just know you're going to come up on that bear and he's still going to be there for the most part. So wind is number one. Try to get a better understanding of how the winds work and then how the winds work in the mountains. It's it's all different. You know, if it's a dominant hillside where the wind's blowing against it, it it's pretty steady. If it's the lee or the backside, you know, it can swirl around in there and uh, bowls will do different things. And, and it's all different to the way the mountains lay out and the way the winds kind of hit against them and so you have to just kind of get in there and from the vantage point you're trying to read it as you're dropping down in you're trying to read it as you get to the bottom or on the other hillside you're reading it you're always taking tabs of the wind and you're just trying to get this better understanding of what the winds are doing that way you can formulate these game plans when you do see a bear in a spot winds are number one um, next up is sound, you know, really being quiet as you stalk in, knowing when to slow down and when to look for that bear. And a lot of times, you know, that bear is a ways off. You haven't seen him for a while. And so he can move and you really got to stalk up slow, not make a sound. God, I can remember this big chocolate down in that canyon where I had that stalk um, yesterday. Um, giant chocolate, big fat one. I crossed the river. I had two buddies spotting for me on the other hillside and I made a play on this thing and I got right into range and I had them at like, I don't 45 yards or something like that. And I needed like two steps to my left and I had a shooting lane clear and he wasn't looking at me or anything. And I kept my eyes on him and one step to the left, two step to the left. And I stepped on this stick and it went off like a firecracker. It snapped right underneath my feet and that bear picked up his head and then, you know, went out and spooked out of there like a white tail. I was just heartbroken. I had crossed the river. I'd been watching this bear. I think it was the second time I'd seen him. So I've been watching him for two days. I made this play, this climb all the way up the other hillside and then um, spooked him by stepping on a stick. Um, so, so they can spook from sound as well. So be quiet on your approach. Um, they... They are nearsighted, but they catch movement. Um, it just seems like you can keep tally on their head and their eyes and kind of work on, in on them. And I've worked in on a bunch of bears in wide open meadows. And as long as you freeze, they don't see you. Um, just don't let them catch your movement. And I, I've been with bears moving across hillsides where you can dang near be running behind them and they don't see you until they stop and then move their head around. So, um, just, just be mindful of your movement. If they do look at you, just totally freeze. If they start to turn slow, that usually means they're going to, they're going to go out of there. And by that time, it's usually too late. Um, I've also had them stand up on me and that can be hair raising, man. Oh man. I had one that, um, you know, one out of 10 bears, they all have different attitudes, but 
one out of ten will kind of have a feisty attitude and this bear kept popping his teeth at me it knew I was there and it got sketchy pretty quick and then it stood up on me a couple times I was going to try to shoot it right in the front of the chest but it didn't stand for long enough I had another great big one that stood up on me one time in a meadow and I think he caught just a little bit of my wind and kind of stood up I think they they stand up to kind of see better Maybe it caught some movement. I I always thought that bear winded me, and and usually if you get busted by a bear, he winded you. You know that's usually the the case most of the time. But um, every once in a while, it can be from sound or from movement. So you have to be mindful of that. And a lot of times, I'll spot these bears, and I don't actually want to stalk and kill that bear. What I'll do, I mean, I want to stalk and kill that bear, but my plan is to move within striking distance. So I've seen this bear. I know where he lives now. You know, now he puts away in the timber. Now I'm not going to make a stalk in that timber, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to move closer and set up on that meadow. So the next time he comes out, I'm in striking distance where I'm only 15 or 20 minutes away or 10 minutes away from this bear. Then I can roll in. And so a lot of times that's what I'll do when I see a bear is I'm just trying to move within striking distance. And and again, what I did on that chocolate yesterday, I spotted him a ways off. And then when he disappeared the first time, I made a move and I closed in and got closer to where he was, spotted him again from there. And it just wasn't right because I felt like he wasn't going to be working out in that meadow where I, you know, it's going to take me 45 minutes to get there. And so then finally, when he came out that last time, I could tell he was just going to mingle around there. And so that's when I went all in and dropped down and, and tried to kill him. But, you know, just, just be patient. It's always better. I, I mean... You want to try to create an opportunity, and if you see one, you got to go for it, but you just can't be reckless, and you you can't get in there and have them wind you. I mean, that's going to happen with bears, and you learn from it, but um, just be mindful that you want to get a quality play on this bear. You've worked so hard to locate them. Um, you don't want to just run in and spook them, and so uh, I, I try to come up with a with a good game plan to, to stalk in and, and get a good arrow in the bear. Yeah, and then, again, it's dangerous game. Uh, make sure you put a good shot on them, good rest aim, make sure you're close enough, and, and then trailing up, you know, make sure that you um, have backup. I, I usually, if I'm hunting, I used to just hunt them with my bow, and then, um, you know, I'd carry some bear spray, but, I mean, a lot of times I kind of felt like it was me versus the bear, just me with my bow out there. But, you know, I'd, I've been charged a time or two, like I... um. I, I have respect for these black bears and I, I know, you know, if it, them or grizzlies, you know, if something went wrong, um, you know, I just want to have a backup plan. So I've been carrying my, my 10 mil with me. I carry my pistol with me and I just have to ensure that I, you know, they come home. I got such a responsibility to my girls and to my family and I love these thrilling, you know, visceral experiences of chasing bears with my bow. But, you know, I also have to, to be safe and make sure that I, that I come back to hunt another day. So I carry a pistol with me. It's a little bit more weight, but I just know then trailing up those bears, you know, I don't want to get a wounded bear or something like that. That'll come back on me, but, um, always make sure to, to try to make a good shot on those things. Um, it's just dangerous game it's um it's magnified you know you you make a bad shot and you could put yourself in a really bad scenario trying to blood trail a bear down so um also their their vitals are a third the size of white tails they're smaller lungs smaller vitals so your shot has to be um, a lot more precise and they've got long hair too which makes their body look bigger than it actually is so um really pick your spot and uh make sure you put a good arrow in them and um or a good good rifle shot too. They also, with that long hair, it soaks up so much blood, and so you don't get real good blood trails with bears. 
So you want to use a, a really big broadhead on them, um, and you want to try to get an entrance exit. And um, so you you got to be mindful of that as well as shooting at them because that hair will soak up the blood. Um, so that's uh, that's black bear hunting. Let me look over my list here and make sure I, I covered everything I wanted to cover. Um, gosh, a, a ton of good information. i got to get back out and look tonight and see if I can't find one. I also did like a question-answer on this one so um let me just go to that real quick and and just make sure that i that i covered everybody's questions um on this deal so let me uh, pull this thing up here eastman's also reposted it so i want to make sure i get everybody's question on that as well so let's work our way through this question and answer and then we'll we'll wrap this baby up okay do you primarily stick to focusing on southern exposures or have you found later in the season or during hotter seasons that the bears will begin to shift to north-facing aspects for the freshest feed in the coolest areas? Okay, so we talked about this a little bit. So I'll find bears on, on any facing hillside, but I am drawn more to north sides. And I I, I think you're right. Like, I think um, it's Dave Barnett that posted this. So I think Dave's right. Like, in that early season it seems like I'm more apt to find these bears on southern exposures. Like they, they want to come out on the, the meadows that have been burned off or the openings that are that are burned off. And they like the southern exposure because the snow's melted off them. And they, they like denning in those spots because it's the first spot to kind of, they can get out and search around. And so I think I do look at more southern exposures when I'm looking in the early season. And as it gets into the mid and the later season, I'm definitely more apt to look at a north face and I am a south face. Now, I do have some good south south faces that I like that are kind of sparsely timbered that I'll go look for bears on. But like I have this one drainage and I'll see 10 bears on the north side to one bear on the south side. Like they love those secluded parks, the 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 cool timber on that side and and the good green grass on those meadows. And so I will for, focus more on north sides, but then you have east and you have west and so you know, I, I kind of try to look at all areas and I look for like the right habitat. I want timber. I want, uh, again, you got to take another drink, pocket parks. Uh, and, and I want those little secluded basins that are, that are lush and green. Um, they also like bottoms. I mean, what do you call a bottom? Which way does that face? But, um, I, I would say that as it gets later in the season, um, I'm, I'm more apt to be hunting a North facer than a South facer. And they don't like those, those wide open faces. Like every once in a while you catch one on it, but they just don't live on those things. They, they want to be able to get in the timber and, and, uh, do whatever a bear does in the timber, root around or, you know, lay down in the timber, but they just like to be secluded. Like if I could say one thing about their attitude, they just like to be secluded. Um, so that's what I would say about that. Okay. Um, let me go through. As spring wanes on, what food sources are bears following? Multiple sources. Do you tend to stay just below the snow line or maybe just where the fresh green up is occurring? Maybe cover glassing te techniques. How much ground and cover glass considering bears sometimes get a late start in the day? How to decipher boar versus sow? Love the podcast. Wealth of knowledge. Uh, the tangents make it honest and flowing. Though the, a bullet point list may be helpful to keep the talks focus on the topic. Okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of tangents in this one, right? I just get talking about things and, um, 
uh, sometimes it, I wander off. So it is good to have bullet points and make sure that I cover everything. So there was a, a, a bunch of different things that he talked about there. Um, I think we covered most of them. So as far as food sources, um, you know, they will get on, um, on, on elk calves. I saw a big black bear one time. A big chocolate, a dark chocolate, and it had killed an elk calf, and it was carrying an elk calf in its mouth, um, and walked it into the timber, and then ate on it for an hour. And I just about killed that bear when he came out of that timber, came out of the meadow, and I caught him and got close. I think I had him close to bow range or in bow range. He just didn't stop. Um, so yeah, I, uh, they do find different food sources and elk calving grounds in the springtime is a great place as they'll wander around getting elk calves and deer calves and things. And so they're actually one of the, the, the biggest hits to, to deer fawns and elk calves is, um, black bears. So yeah, they definitely key on that food source as far as what they're actually eating. Like I've found them eating wild onions and flowers, but really just that lush green grass is what they focus on in the springtime and what I focus on it. And sometimes too, you'll find a kill and they'll be on those, um, you know, they'll frequent a kill in there, but, um, man, it's just for me, the springtime it's green grass is what I look for. The, the greener, the more neon colored is just the, the more luscious it is like, um, you know, that's, that's what I really key on is that green grass, just the greener, the better. Um, so that's what I try to focus on um, as far as food source. And I know they eat a lot of different things, but um, that that's sure where I catch them. And, and definitely I like them on that meadow grass. They like that meadow grass just grows so much more. Um, I, th- I think it's more nutritious. I mean, you look at deer and elk and they just they can't live in the timber eating on that. They have to come out in that meadow grass and feed on that meadow grass. Um, and, and bears are the same way. They love that meadow grass. So. Um, that's what I try to key in on. Um, yeah. And so definitely I love to follow that snow melt up. Like we talked about, um, they love those fresh shoots of green grass and yeah, it just seems like, um, I really focus on an elevation and that money elevation just kind of moves up throughout the year. And once I find an elevation, I start seeing bears. I can go to that elevation anywhere on the mountain or the mountain next to it or the mountain across the valley, and I find bears at that elevation. Now, as it gets later in the season, you know, they can, you know, they can be anywhere as it greens up everywhere. It greens up in the timber, in the meadow grass, down low, up high. And so you can kind of find them at different elevations. But I like to stick with that snow melt and I like to stick with that elevation as it melts off. So right now we're hunting five to 5,500. That's going to keep going up the hillside. My next spots kind of open up at about uh, 62 to 6,500 once those spots get good. And, and right now you go to 62, 6,500, you won't find a track up there. It's all snow. It's all timber. There's no green yet. It's all brown. You know, you could maybe find what a bear coming out of his den up there, um, you know, on a brown spot or something on a burnt off hillside. Um, but the, they definitely aren't focused on the food source yet, uh, as that'll come as in mid season, as they start to leave their denning grounds and start to go to, uh, find feed. Um, let's see. Sows versus boars. Um, cubs are really the best tell on those things, but, uh, if it's a lanky bear, you know, you, you either know it's a small boar or it's a sow. Some of those big, heavy sows, they can be tricky, Um, and for them, it's, it's just taking a really good look, you know, up closer with the spotting scope, trying to look at the head and, and just being an honest judge of what it is. (coughs) Excuse me. 
And, uh, you know, I've definitely seen, you know, a couple of my buddies have killed sows and you'll, you'll make a mistake here or there, but, um, so far I've been a hundred percent on boars. Um, and, and I could always make a mistake and I could kill a sow and you have to be happy with whatever you harvest. And there's some big sows out there. I've seen guys that have harvested big six foot sows and I've seen a couple big sows that have definitely tricked me. And so, you know, you just gotta, you, you just gotta look and, and, and look at bears and just make sure it's a bear you're going to be happy with. But, uh, that's always the toughest thing is trying to identify sex. Um, yeah, cubs are definitely the best tell. <laughs> this is a good one by KR494. Said, My bad, I was about to tune in and learn how to mole hunt. I <laughs> think he thought I was hunting moles for some reason. Where is where in the heck did he get that? Oh, because I said boar. I don't know. Maybe, maybe spell checker got me in my post. I actually did say mole hunting. Look out. Um, but that's pretty funny. A DIY mole hunt would be a sweet episode too. <laughs> uh, uh, DIY mole hunt, huh? That's a new sport for me, but who knows? It may be fun. Okay. Do you do any e-scouting? If so, what do you look for on uh, Google Earth? Yeah, that's a great one. So again, I look for these drainages and... Uh, go ahead and take another drink i look for pocket parks on north sides you know i'm looking for big drainages and you can look at elevation everywhere so if i'm thinking those bears are at six thousand feet i'm looking at all these spots at six thousand feet and i'm trying to find these little spots on these north facers i'm trying to find vantage points and and then i'll go hike in there and go look at it so yeah i definitely use google earth to scout a bunch probably be better for a different episode but would love to hunt hear more on high country mule deer with archery season four months away is it really four months away oh my god uh yeah i uh i absolutely love high country mule deer so uh i'm definitely with fins and tines um such a such a great guy he's always been a um, huge supporter on instagram but yeah he loves to high country mule deer hunt uh me too man i hear you brother um yeah i i i live to hunt high country mule deer and i cannot wait for this season so um I'm just biding my time until some more tag results come out. I don't have any high country mule deer tags in my pocket yet, but definitely have big plans for this season. So I can't wait to do some high country mule deer podcasts. So that may be my next solo episode. We'll see what I can come up with or what's pertinent for uh, next month. I'm going to try to do one of these a month of the solo episodes. Um, would like to hear your tactics for snowy spring like we were having here in Bozeman. Yeah. Any snow effects your game plan? Yeah, um, it's it's tough, but um, you know the truth is I I do really good in big snow years because the big snow years seem to condense the populations or it seems to keep them at a certain elevation because of that snow melt and all the deep snow in the timber that the bears just have to be at that elevation and so I do really good in these big snow years and so. Um, again, it's just focusing on elevation. It's, we're 140% of snowpack. And yesterday was the first day that we've had that 60 degrees and we barely had days that are 50 degrees. So it's been a gnarly winter, but it, it's just time to start focusing on those lower spots. Uh, I heard of a bear spotted in the Bridgers got a, like a week before season. 
uh, on a burned off slope. Um, like I say, my buddy Dan's getting into him at Helena around 5,400 feet. So just start going to those low spots. Man, the early season can be tough. Like trying to find these bears wandering around their den. Yeah, I saw three yesterday, but you could go out for 10 days and not see a bear. Like, like I always tell people don't get burned out in the early season. Like you look for these denning spots, but don't waste all your day, days off and all your energy going then. Like, you know, wait till the bears are out and on the food source and then you're you're covering country and, and you're just giving yourself the best chance to see bears because it gets frustrating. Uh, that's the toughest thing about bear hunting is going out day after day and not seeing a bear. And so um, you, you want to put as much in, in your favor as you can. So going out like during that um, – during that mid-season after things start to change and green up a little bit more and the bears are focused on that food source that's the best time of year and the the best time for your effort and so you know go out a little bit early season test the waters try to come up with some theories of where these bears are denning at and maybe catch a sighting or two um, but don't burn yourself out wait till that mid-season till they're on that good green grass and then and then go hard but um yeah big snow years are, are good barriers for me so um hopefully you have a good season Okay, how bears respond to weather events. Also, interest in early season tactics. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I start looking at grass, but that early season is really looking at denning locations. And so that's really what I'm focused on. And they like you know, burned off hillsides and they like rocky outcroppings and rocky hillsides and steep. Oh my gosh. You should see the, the hillside I climbed up yesterday. I mean, it's just on all fours in this steep moss rock. So, um, yeah, they, they definitely like that stuff early season, um, weather events. So yeah, as it snows and rains or, uh, snows, not so much. I've seen some bears in the snow. Um, as it snows, they like to kind of tuck away or bed down. But when the storm breaks, they come out. If it's raining, bears love to be out in the rain. Um, rain or overcast, they love to be out. Sunshine. Um, if it's cooler temps and sunshine, they don't mind being out. Um, it, as it gets really hot later in the season, they will timber up a little bit more and they'll come out to those meadows in the evening. And so in that afternoon, evening, that is the best time to hunt. We always call that bear 30. Um, so that's really what I focus on. Um, Kip Fowler, love that pick. Love the look of that bear. Awesome, Barney. I, I like Kip. He's a great guy. I got to get him back on the podcast. Um, just a real genuine nice guy and and he hunts bears a lot he hunts bears like down south i think like utah or someplace but those guys do really good on bears and have killed some good ones oh can you cover hide and meat care the do's and don'ts with bear meat look looking forward to another great podcast for the gym uh what a great question so meat and hide i've never had too much problem during bear season um See, I guess it does start getting warmer in May. The last bear I killed was in May. It got warmer. You know, I just get in and get them out. So I've just boned so many animals that I can do it so quick. And so um, as far as the hide on bears, um, you know, all I, I have one rug done. Rugs are pretty expensive. It's where you get the head mounted and then you have the bear hide and you can spread it out on a wall. So my best bear, like 19 and 5 eighths, big six foot three or six foot six bear. And he's this gorgeous like light chocolate to almost blonde colored bear just a beautiful one and I had that one made into a rug the other ones um I just have their their hides tanned and so I um 
I do them the same way. So what you do is you um, skin them out and then you skin them up the back of their legs um, to their butthole and then um, split them that way. And the front legs, um, you go inside up to the armpit and then down at the paws. Um, like I don't skin out the paws on the field. What I do is I just um, I skin them enough to where I can get around them and I can break them off at that wrist joint. And then I just take the pads out and then I have my my taxidermist skins out the, the paws for me. Um, it's a little tedious. I've done it before. Um, but, but yeah, you really got to take your time. Um, I, I usually just cut off the head and I'll leave that for my, my taxidermist to get that out. That way I can keep the skull and, uh, and have the bear hide. Um, sometimes if I'm way back, I'll, I'll skin the, the head out, you know, and, and you can take them out that way. But yeah, I just, I skin them out. The bear hide weighs about as much as the meat. And then I bone out the meat. Um, and I just treat it like any other meat I'd have. Uh, bear meat is really good, especially in the springtime. I don't get any foul taste from it. It's a little bit greasier maybe, and a little bit more fat content. And you definitely have to make sure it's cooked, um, with the trichinella or trichinosis, um, have to make sure it's cooked to a temperature of 160 degrees. I don't do a lot of steaks out of bear, but I want to do more steaks this year with that fat content. I think I can make a pretty good steak out of them. Um, but most of the time I just grind mine. I'll add them with some, um, some, some pork fat or something like that. And I'll do like a sausage or I'll do burger meat. And, um, it always turns out really good for me. So I, I like doing that with meat, but yeah, as far as meat care, um, you know, it's just a temperature deal again, as I try to bone them out, usually I'm trying to get the meat out of there and then I'll get on a, get it in a cooler with ice. Um, cause usually it's not hanging temperature as you're in the springtime, it's getting 60s, 70s during the day. So usually I'll cooler it and then get it taken care of. Um, I have had to leave the meat before, uh, if I kill a bear in the evening, sometimes I'll come back the next day. Sorry, drop my phone there. Sometimes I'll come back the next day and, um and grab the meat. So what I'll do is I'll just stick it in a game bag and hang it up in a tree. And it, it's usually getting cold enough at night, 30, 40 degrees where it really cools down that meat nicely. And then I'll, I'm able to get back in, in good time and get that thing out of there and get them to a cooler with ice. So I haven't had too much pr- trouble keeping it. And as far as bear hides, you know, I always have my taxidermist right here. So, um, it's either I'll throw the bear hide in, in my freezer or something, or I'll get it to my taxidermist. So I never have to worry about salting it myself or taking care of it. Like, like I'll just throw it in the freezer if, if need be, or take it down to him and he'll finish skinning it out and getting it tanned for me. So that's usually how I treat the, the hide and the meat. Um, all right, a few good comments here just on the picture I posted. Um, oh, cool. He's excited. He's from uh, Wisconsin and um, doesn't have the opportunity to hunt bears in the spring nor in the mountains. Um, so he's looking forward to the podcast. So um, hopefully he likes it. Oh, here's a good one. What kind of insecure piece of shit has to murder innocent woodland creatures to feel like a man? So. <laughs> uh sorry i'm just reading through comments here uh uh bears um they they really um make people angry um 
like you say again it's that uh, attachment with with bears how they've made them so human-like or dog-like you know but uh, bears numbers have to be controlled it's great organic meat and they they just um they wreak havoc on on deer fawns and on on elk calves and um you know the populations need to be controlled and that's why we have hunting seasons that are put in place by biologists that that know more about game management and they track every bear that's shot here in montana and the location that it's shot and keep tabs on numbers and so you know with overpopulation we start getting these these bears um, where they don't have enough food where they start coming down and getting into dumpsters and getting into garbage and cars and things of that nature so it's definitely um, a a population that has to be controlled like any population out there and and uh, it's great organic meat and um, uh, there's a lot of bears out west here and and it's a sustainable uh, source uh, for hunting so I mean, not that I need to, I just don't engage with any of these guys. I mean, I could argue back and forth, but I'm not going to change anybody's mind. I mean, this guy comes from the city and buys his super, buys his meat from the supermarket wrapped in styrofoam and, you know, doesn't take responsibility for his meat or, you know, nor does he understand the lifestyle that we live out West here and, and just the appreciation that we have for these animals and how much money that, that we spend goes towards conservation. And yeah, it's for, for hunting tags and for hunting opportunity, being able to be in nature but uh, we do more for conservation and care more about these animals than than any guy in the city could could even fathom I mean, being some keyboard warrior on your on instagram what are you really doing for the species of black bear you know so anyways uh, this one tells me to shoot myself <laughs> yeah people uh Boy, they they really um, bears really upset them, um, but again, I'm I'm hunting them the most difficult difficult way possible, and there's 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 plenty of, of bears around. Uh, we have sustainable populations of them. They have to be controlled like anything out there, and and bears are cruel too. Um, bears aren't these nice cuddly friends that you'd go out and pet like a dog out there. You know, they they'd attack you and eat you alive out there if they had the chance. You know, they. They, they eat and kill cubs if they run into them. They, you know, they're just not, they're not our, our big cuddly friends, you know. They're, they're, they're wild out in nature and you, you think they care about the, you know, the 10, 15 fawns that they kill and eat alive out there. They're like, they're ruthless uh, and, and, you know, they, um, you know, it's, it, I don't know, it, it's just one of those things people get so upset about bears, but um, I sure love hunting them. Okay, so I, I won't read you all my negative comments there. I usually just erase them. I just don't engage those people. Let me just check um, Facebook here. I just want to make sure that I get everybody's questions answered. Where am I? Oh, 139. Oh, my gosh, another long podcast. I just can't help myself. you think it'd be tough to talk for an hour, and then i get on here and, and uh, dang near talk for two. Um, but um, thanks for... Thanks for sticking with me here on this deal. Let's just uh, check Facebook and um, make sure that I got everything answered here. And uh, we'll call it a day. This will be the bonus episode. Yeah, guys, get out there and try to harvest a bear. It's so fun in the springtime. So, um, Okay, here we go. Full comments on here. Okay. Oh, this is from uh, Ty Martin. He's another Montana guy. He had a really successful season. I just saw him in the uh, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. He killed a really nice bull this year, buck, and in, uh, in an antelope. 
Uh, maybe talk about some tactics you use to hunt black bears with your bow. I've been trying with my bow on the weekend starting last season. It seemed like every time I closed in within 100 yards, swirling wind got me. Excited to hear this episode. Yeah, so exactly, Ty. That, that wind is everything. It's just a higher understanding of those winds and really waiting to move in, learning how they blow in your mountain range, learning how the thermals affect, and then being patient with it. If you see a bear, it isn't always a run-form scenario. A lot of times it's a sit back and, and, and let them go back in the timber and try to figure out where he's going to show up next or where he's going to come back out of learn where he's living and and where his spot is and then wait until you get that really good downhill thermal where it's like yeah there's no way he's going to win me or you get that really good uphill thermal where it's early enough in the day or you get a good directional that's blowing left to right where you just know you're going to be able to get in there and get in range but man it's tough i've been winded by a ton of bears too it's um like I say, usually if you get busted by a bear, it's usually from the wind. So I, th- I think it's just trying to, to, to get a higher understanding of that wind, maybe being a little bit more patient uh, with your stocks and, and um, trying to wait for the right opportunity to go all in on those things. So, yeah, good luck this season, Ty. Um, see if you uh, – I'm sure you're going to get some chances at some bears there. Um, you guys got a good spot, you hunt. Um, really want to figure out – this is Eric Hunter. Um Awesome. Really want to figure out how to hunt them without baiting. Yeah. So baiting's effective, um, especially in thick cover. Um, you just attract them from miles around in the scent, and there's an art form to it. I know those guys in um, Idaho. I was talking to uh, a Zach, a backcountry hunter, back um, Zach uh, Owens. Gosh, I forgot his name there. Um, like I say, I'm half brain dead, you guys, yesterday from all that effort I took to get in and out of that spot. Um, so, But uh, Zach Owens was telling me he baits, and he's really good at it. But uh, he had a bunch of tips he was sharing with me. Like he brings all his bait in at one time in a drainage, and then he never goes in there again. So he won't restock bait. Like he'll bring in, uh, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of pounds of bait, but it's bait for the entire season and put it in there. So he's not bringing his scent in and out. And so those bears... Um, they don't smell human scent. He says they go nocturnal real quick. Like those big bears, if they smell any human scent, they'll just come into the bait nocturnal. And a lot to it. He also talked about like drainages and scent um, distribu- distribu- distribution. I say I'm half brain dead, you guys. I, it's surprising I even get this thing recorded today. Um, but but just how the scent travels up these drainages and how you want to be at the head at like multiple drainages. And then that scent will travel up all those drainages and those bears will come you know, from two or three different drainages instead of one or so there, there is just a ton to it. I know. And, and it's an art form within itself and probably the most effective way to hunt bears. Um, I, I've just never, you know, we're not allowed to do that here in Montana and I haven't traveled to Idaho to do it. And to tell you the truth, I've fallen in love with this spot and stock of just roaming around the woods, looking for these things, trying to figure out where they like and, and what habitats they live in and, and they're, you know, I've just learned so much about them and I, you kind of get hooked on your way of hunting them. And so it, it, it's definitely the most difficult way to hunt them, but it's also the most rewarding being able to stock up on dangerous game with you, with your bow in your hands. And so for me, I've fallen in love with the process and, and how difficult it is. And so, um, you know, I, I'm not really interested in doing it any other way for me, you know, I like it spot and stock, but, um, it is highly effective to bait them in that thick stuff. And, you know, I think some places like they talk in BC that, you know, you, you couldn't hunt them any other way. You can't just walk through the forest. It's too noisy. And, um, Oh, another thing you guys, 
I never mentioned this. I mentioned logging roads, or I mentioned uh, skitter roads. Another uh, spot that bears really like is logged off country. Um, I find bears in a lot of logged off country, um, and and even in different parts of the state, it's all logged off country. But logged off country is kind of like meadows, and you'll find logged off north side hillsides and little parks that are logged off and stuff. Bears love those things. Um, So uh, uh, don't forget about logged off country. And uh, that's the question and answer. So um, we got a podcast recorded. Um, we stuck to it and got her done. Um, thanks a bunch, you guys, for for all the support. Eastman's Elevated. Uh, thanks to Eastman's for all the support on the podcast. Um, just such a great community. I'm just I'm I'm humbled nearly every day at the comments I get, and uh, you know I just um, uh, I just want to continue to put out good content for you guys and and do the absolute best job I can and and. Uh, just have fun in life. Um, try to enjoy as many things as I can. We're only here for so long. And um, right now is bear season. Uh, like I say, I'm also busy with with uh, softball and track and driver's ed and work and everything else. But um, you know I'm going to fit in my days. I'm going to get out some good evenings. And uh, i got such a good supportive wife that um, takes takes a lot of the running around just to free up a day for me. Uh, she knows how much I, I love doing it and enjoy it. So um, I know I'm going to get some days out, try to change these things man I almost put one down yesterday my wife said well uh when she's saying she was I don't know she was giving me a little grief this morning about well then you just would have gone and hunted with your buddies anyways or then you would have been bored all spring long <laughs> you know there's probably some truth to that I I am I am glad that I get to keep hunting bears I I love doing it and the fun is in doing it and that's like all hunting with me you know I I, I have these animals that I've harvested, and I love looking back at hunts and looking back at pictures, but really the fun for me is doing it, being on a hunt, being on those those, those tough, grueling days. Like last night, I mean, just having to climb my way up 2,000 feet with a 30-pound pack straight up these chutes and willow brush, and, you know, it was a, it was a suffer fest, but that, that mental toughness, again, I just got a smile, and and I'm, I'll be back out for a run today. My quads are sore. My calves are sore. I kind of blew myself up running down that mountain with the pack and then climbing back up out of there. And, but, um, you know, yeah, I get this opportunity to be able to get a workout with fatigued legs. I, I don't get to have my legs blown up that often anymore. I mean, I can run 10, 12 miles and my legs don't even get sore. And so to be able to have sore legs today, even though I'm a little stiff and soared up, like today's the day to get a run. I can get a run on tired legs. So I'm going to finish up this, get my boy out, Gunny, my uh, dog, and uh, we're going to go for a little light run. I, we probably won't do many miles but probably three to five stretch the legs anyways get in a good steam so um yeah just i'm just uh I'm super excited for bear season here I'm, I'm glad it's underway and i can't wait to go again uh try to glass tonight and just start glassing here in the evenings and um see if i can't get on one and get a good arrow in one so um Let's end this thing. I've gone way too long already, hour and 47. So thanks, guys. Um, Have a good week, and we'll talk to you soon.